What's the crack, comrades? Welcome back to Sam and Casey's Movie Club. My name's Casey. And I am Sam. And Casey, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about We're All Going to the World's Fair, which is a movie that you suggested. So mm-hmm. why did you want to talk about this movie? Well, my main reason was that I want to convince everybody in my life to watch this movie. Okay, Uh, why is that? Because when I first watched it, nobody had heard of it, and I wanted to talk about it, and it was very frustrating. So now you will all watch it and talk about it with me. Uh Uh-huh. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. I also, I have a feeling, I want to say this at the beginning, because this is like quite a small movie, I think there's a chance that the director, like somebody else involved, could be Googling it and finding our episode, in which case, hello, I assume we will not make it to the end because we were annoying. Yeah, sorry about all of this, but we liked your movie. It was a good movie. You can go now. (laughs) Yes. So what was your first impression when you watched this movie? Hmm. My first impression was that it was... I think I I watched it, like, late at night, early in the morning. So I was like, why am I watching a horror movie at night? That's a rookie mistake for me. (laughs) Because I felt like it was scarier than I expected it to be. But, Hmm. yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, But I also was thinking why you wanted to talk about it. Because I feel like, I don't know if I'd have a lot to say about it. It's one of those movies... That does have a plot, but, like, barely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's true, and I do like that kind of movie. Um, Mm. However, yes, I was also thinking, like, do I have much to say about this, or do I not just want to be like, watch this movie? Anyway, so I guess we should introduce it. So Mm. We're All Going to the World's Fair is a either a 2021 or 2022 movie it depends on how you it was like in festivals in 2021 i watched it in 2021 um oh. yes uh illegally <laughs> not really like i did pay but i was using a vpn anyway um i'm so committed jane if you're listening <laughs> uh it was written and directed by jane schoenbrunn uh, and it stars Anna Cobb as Casey and Michael J. Rogers as JLB. What is it about other Casey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the main character has my name, which I didn't appreciate. It's a horror movie. I didn't like that. But... <laughs> How do you feel about the beginning of Scream? Oh, I do like, because I like Scream. I guess Scream is a different kind of horror movie, so that's okay. cool. But when Even though she dies. This, yeah, I would, rather, I would rather she would have died in this movie than go through what she went through. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Casey is a teenage girl who we kind of see her like we only ever see her kind of in her room she seems lonely she seems like she doesn't have that many people in her life but the opening scenes are her like talking to she's making video recordings talking to her camera um and she decides to do the world's fair challenge which is like a viral chat i i don't know if it's viral i don't know what kind of deep web (laughs) websites that she's going on 
<laughs> but it's a challenge that people are doing where like you do this you do this internet ritual whatever and then some things like you start changing in some way and people will post videos about how they've been changing and stuff so she decides to to participate in this challenge um and she kind of continues to make videos about any changes she's noticing she mentions that she used to sleepwalk as a kid um and she had this feeling of like being aware of her body but not being able to control her actions and that feeling was kind of coming back after she did the challenge um and then she sees this video (laughs) she's watching an asmr video (laughs) which i guess we'll talk about um as she is trying to fall asleep and then the next autoplay video is this one by this person called jlb who's like uh, you're in trouble. I need to talk to you. So she contacts this person who like won't show their face, but we do see him. Um, and they, he like tells her that she's in trouble, but he also like doesn't really do anything to help her. He's just like, keep making videos. So I know you're okay. But if you're not, I don't know what he would have done about it. Uh, so yeah, the movie is basically just us watching her videos um as they get kind of weirder and more disturbing she like talks about what's one of them one of them is just like christmas lights or whatever and yeah she gives she gives us like a tour of the town that she lives in um and she's just walking around being miserable she threatens to kill her dad um or herself Uh, yeah. Yes. She like hangs out in graves, graveyards and stuff, and mm-hmm. talks about how um, she might just disappear. So the videos get progressively more uh, worrying to the viewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in like the in the notable mm-hmm. scene, she um, <laughs> kills her friend Paul, who is a stuffed animal. Oh, get a stuffed. What is he? A lemur? Uh, maybe. Monkey? Something. I um, think he's that thing that King Julian from Madagascar is. <laughs> King Julian, yeah. <laughs> um, she kills <laughs> King Julian. Uh, in a, like, a fit of, like, um, she appears to be in some way possessed and then mm-hmm. and unaware of her actions. And then afterwards we see her find uh, Poe and be sad. But yeah. it's like it's good. It's not like how I described it. <laughs> <laughs> she finds him and is sad. Um, yeah, and then I think one time she's having this video call with JLB, and he like tell he wants to like go out of game because he's like genuinely worried for her well being and the well being of people around her because she's talking about like wanting to kill her dad and wanting to hurt herself. And she kind of gets mad at him and, um, like, cuts cuts off contact for, I think it's a year. The hmm. next. <laughs> okay, go what on. Does that mean? <laughs> the next um, thing we see is from JLB's perspective, which is just like, he's just like a regular guy who like lives in like a nice house, 
and he's like into horror, I guess. But he's like trying to save people from this World's Fair thing. Anyway, the next thing we see is him talking to his camera or making a video. He's talking to us or whatever. And he's he talks about how they didn't speak to each other for about a year. But then uh, she reached out and told him about how she was hostilized because she like almost did something or whatever she was hospitalized for a while and she got out and then she felt comfortable getting back in contact with him so they met up in somewhere was it new york new york city well she lived in she lives in upstate new york new york i think okay yeah they met up in new york and they like kind of had a conversation um and talked about it a little bit and she mentioned how she she almost got to the center of the fair. What did she say? It was at the center. It was like a fish tank or something. Was it a fish tank? I don't remember that. <laughs> okay. She almost got to the center of the fair, which I guess is like a difficult thing to do, but she, or it's like the last phase in whatever process was happening to her. And um, she almost got to the center, but she felt something pull her back. And he told her about how he had his hands on his computer screen and was praying and maybe that's what it was. And then they made plans to meet up again in the near future and get pizza together. So it seems like she's doing better now. And then everyone clapped. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) I I realize it's like meant to be ambiguous. And so if you interpret his story as genuine, that's valid. (laughs) So you 100% absolutely don't believe him at all? At all. It's just like such a fake story. He's like, and she was like, I'm so grateful to you. You're so great. And everyone clapped. (laughs) Okay. Well, sure. Anyway, Um, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, anyway, I do, okay, I do want to say, I think the first time I watched it, I was not as resolute. I think I was more like, hmm, I wonder if that happened. But, like, the second and third time, I was like, oh, that did not happen. Hmm. Um, Do you want to get into why you think it definitely didn't happen? Or what's the structure of this episode? Okay, I will, I will, let's get this out of the way, because this is, like, the one thing that people want to know, like, ending explained. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, you don't agree with me, you don't, you don't feel as strongly, is it? Um, I, you know, I've talked about it before, I tend to believe when people tell me things, so I think he is telling the truth, actually, 100%, and they're best friends now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, okay, reasons why I definitely do not believe him. Um, mm-hmm. So number one is... I do want to say, okay, so I, I bought the, like, Blu-ray, and I, like, watched the extra, like, the bonus features, whatever, and there is a, it, like, in the deleted scenes, there's a long version of the end in which we spend more time with JLB as he's, like, being sad about this, and he's, like, wondering what's going on. He's, like, Googling, trying to find Casey uh, and notices of her death, even though, like, that's not her real name. So he doesn't even, like, know her real name to look for her. Anyway, all of that, to me, when I watched the deleted scene, just, like, cemented, like, oh, he's so desperate. It, uh, he has no trace of her. He's, like, definitely in a place in which he would, like, want to invent this story out of desperation. However, 
I do realize it's not fair to like judge the finished movie based on deleted scenes like there's a reason why that was deleted I realized that uh, Jane wanted to make it I'm calling them Jane like they're my friend (laughs) (laughs) maybe they will be when this comes out you don't know (laughs) I realized that they wanted to like make it ambiguous and that's like I respect that um however when I watched the deleted scene that did add to my feeling of like oh he's obviously in a place in a state of mind where he would want to invent a nice little story to make himself feel better uh also just Mm -hmm. like this story to me it's like it's so perfect it's exactly what he would want to happen like that's not real life that's not how things work sometimes nice things happen though (laughs) it's not just nice though it's like it's so it's perfect it's perfect and it's perfect for him like he has no like there's nothing wrong with his relationship with casey he's a good guy that wanted to help and she's she realizes she was wrong and apologizes and he's Mm -hmm. like benevolently like i forgive you it's all right yeah 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 and this was mentioned in the audio commentary actually the way he like talks uh, when he's telling the story, the way he like imitates her voice, she's just this scared little girl looking up to him. That and was like, very strange. It was so yeah. creepy, and it really like that's like we'll get to this relationship and the ways in which it is worrying. Um, but it just like like this is the way you see her. Like you're, she's not even a person. She's you're projecting all these things onto her that you want her to be. Uh, I'm gonna beat this guy up. <laughs> So, okay, so that's out of the way. Uh, Now that that's out of the way, what's the first thing you would like to talk about? Do you want to talk about the effects of social media on young teens today? Uh, We can, but maybe before we talk about young teens today, I would like to talk (laughs) about myself as a young teen a few years ago. Cool, sure. Uh, Because uh, it's interesting to me how, I mean, we can read this as like about present teens however the internet that we see in this movie is kind of like older than what the internet is like today would you Mm. agree um i'm not sure i guess these kinds of challenges aren't as popular or don't happen as often but i think i think you still i think it's still accurate to the way the internet is at the moment okay that's interesting yeah. uh, because to me it definitely like uh, so the fake YouTube that we see here feels older than the way YouTube is nowadays. Uh, it That's feels, fair. Um, like, like I remember this might also like say something about how I've come to use YouTube as I've gotten older and like lazier and I don't feel like searching for weird things anymore but like back in the day I feel like I would like I'd be more likely to find like weird things from people with like five subscribers um nowadays it's all like clickbait sponsored whatever things that are vying for attention it's I feel like you don't see weird teenagers in their bedrooms on YouTube doing challenges anymore that's true but I also I guess in my mind it wasn't just a weird YouTube it was like it was like a like a specific community thing so Mm -hmm. it would be like she would be finding those videos just because she is that deep into the whole challenge yeah but even that to me feels kind of outdated feels like something that kids don't do anymore a little bit yeah. But maybe I'm also just old. <laughs> yes. 
uh, but also like the anonymity of it. I, I feel like nowadays everybody is like, here's my full legal name. Here's where I live. <laughs> That's true. Uh, here's my fingerprints. Um, I feel like we don't get these like uh, anonymous communities anymore. We don't have as much of like, oh, this person disappeared. Did they die? Who knows? Um, yeah, to me, it feels older. It feels like more of a mysterious place with different places to discover rather than like just like one company taking over the internet and it feels i want to talk about this eventually but it feels more haunted i feel like the internet is getting less and less haunted and that's a bad thing i miss the ghosts <laughs> it's now haunted only by corporations exactly um yeah, yeah. so was this relatable to you uh, was it not no because i feel like the way i use the internet is very I've always been, like, very distanced from it for some reason. For some reason, I've never, like, I don't know. I don't think I'm a internet participator the way that people usually are. I've never been that into it in, mm-hmm. like, a personal way. So, but I do, like, recognize, it's, like, very familiar, all of the stuff in this movie. I was, like, around when that was happening, and I saw it happen to other people, but it was just, I was never into it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, It is very relatable to me, even though I, I guess similarly, I was never like putting myself out there much on the internet. Like this podcast is the first time I've like made something and put it there for people to see. I've never been active. I've always been more like lurking and watching other people, but Mm -hmm. it is still very relatable to me in being like a miserable teenager who is shut in their bedroom all day on the internet. (laughs) trying to feel something from horror stories sure yeah um yeah okay do you want to talk about teens today (laughs) (laughs) i don't know anything about teens today what are they like tiktok (laughs) dances Um, uh, the thing is i also use tiktok i've realized side note I've realized recently because I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day. I talk about TikTok like a weird amount. The things that I bring up in day to day life relate to TikTok, I think, too much. So I think I need to stop using it. That's disturbing. I've never it been is. on TikTok in my life. Oh, that's great for you. It is, yeah. Uh, but people keep putting TikToks on my timelines on other social media, and I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna click on that. Especially, listen, I hate videos. You, I also been, hate videos. This could have been a text post. <laughs> I'm not gonna pause my music to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I do. I do want to say that I think TikTok is evil. Um. I do. It's going like, back. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but it's literally like a time traveling device if you want to make three hours just disappear from your life tiktok is the way to do that i think there should be some kind of warning it's like it's really effective at just um making you just like blink forward in time a few hours uh sure (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, going back to what we were saying about anonymity, the anonymity of the old internet versus the lack of anonymity on the new internet. And it's interesting to me that this isn't just like a, a movie about being online at a young age, but is it is a video about being like visibly online at a, at a new age. Like she's making YouTube videos, people can see her face, even though she's using a fake name. Um, and that is something that we're seeing more and more because TikTok is encouraging children to like put their faces with their stupid opinions for everyone. <laughs> um, whereas when I was on Tumblr saying stupid things back in the day, nobody knew what I looked like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so what's up with that? <laughs> what's up with teenagers putting their faces on the internet now? Yeah. I guess more people want to be famous. Is mm-hmm. that it? Is I it? don't think that's it, actually. Because I think maybe it is. Because I think maybe back in the day when people were just posting YouTube videos from their bedroom, there wasn't like a YouTuber, an influencer wasn't as much of a thing. Mm. So maybe you'd get like some internet attention, but it wasn't like, I don't think everyone was doing it with the goal of like have gaining like fame but I think since becoming a YouTuber slash influencer has become a thing like it seems like if this works out for me it's a lot bigger it's a lot more impactful you can like actually be like famous because of it Mm -hmm. which could be yeah but I wonder how much it's like even an intentional choice because of the nature of like TikTok and things nowadays like I don't even think it's something that kids think about like oh I am going to put my face out there because I want to be famous or whatever I think it's just like automatic like of course I'm going to put my face out there what else would I do on TikTok that's what everybody does mm, uh, it's like true. built into that's the just platform. how you use it now yeah mm-hmm. um anyway I'm done being an old man yelling at the sky <laughs> for a minute but I do want to talk about like the nature of putting yourself out on the internet and the way that leads to like performance and then like the ways in which we are always performing in our everyday lives and how we can see this in this movie okay so I guess the big question is how much of the Casey that we see in this movie is real how much is fake is that a distinction that makes that makes sense um I think it's a distinction that you can try and make sense of if you want to, but I don't think it actually really matters mm-hmm. because even the fake the fake person that you choose to be does say something about you anyway. So it's still mm-hmm. an insight into an ac- aspect of who you are as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, and... I think it is very much like I don't think this the internet is the only situation in which we are creating personas and performing. I think we all do that Definitely. every day. Yeah. Uh, um, like if you have a job, obviously your persona at your job, like who even is that? <laughs> Reference is a documentary. <laughs> um, the person I am at work is a, I don't know who she is. She's a different person. I like black out and wake up at 5.30 when I clock out and I'm like, wow, that was weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as a person of podcaster experience, how has that affected the ways in which you perform or do not perform? 
I don't think of myself as a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, I think it might be a little bit easier for us because if I was doing this by myself, I think I would be a lot more aware of the ways in which I'm performing. But I think because I'm just talking to my friend, it's like the only performance I'm doing is the, you know, the usual talking to another human being performance, which is like, I think one that you've had for longer than you would have if you were like creating a new persona for a podcast. So it's like more comfortable to be and it feels like more you. Hmm. I yeah. do I do feel like I'm performing on this podcast and I've I've noticed that when we're like when we're talking like before or after recording I will sometimes still find myself performing uh for the <laughs> really? recording that it, yeah for the recording that isn't happening. Uh but I don't know if that's noticeable to anybody else. If you know me in real life and have listened to the podcast, well, let me know if you think I, I sound fake. Who, who even is this Sam? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that you're performing before or after we're doing the podcast because I wouldn't. I haven't been able to tell. Well, I don't have a real person anymore. <laughs> it's subtle. Or maybe I'm just uh, not paying attention to you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if it would be noticeable. It is subtle, but I do like once the record button starts, I am very aware of it, and then even when it goes off, I'm still in like recording mode. Anybody <laughs> could be listening. Um, well, now I want to have a recording mode. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm not. I want. No. <laughs> I feel like I'm not doing anything now. Well, I'm doing a bad job, so that's. Fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, I wanted to like go through the movie and mention a couple of like fun, um, fun moments that blur the line between performance and reality, and the ways in which, you know, we are always performing. There is no reality. Anyway. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> So one thing that I noticed uh, about JLB, not about Casey, is that JLB scripts all of his videos, um, even though they don't necessarily seem scripted. If you were just to listen to them, he seems to be talking like in a normal conversational way. If you look at his screen when he's recording, he has written out word by word what he's going to say, uh, which is very interesting to me, especially with regards to the ending, um, because one might, if they were so inclined, see, uh, look at that and be like, oh, he's fake. He's like anybody who sits down and premeditates what they're going to say, and it's like, it's phony, whatever. <laughs> is a word that people use in 2022. <laughs> um, how- yeah, it's phony. <laughs> However, I, I myself have often found myself coming up with scripts and uh, like practicing conversations before having them. And I don't <laughs> necessarily think that that means I'm not being sincere because it's like my Mm. own thoughts I'm just trying to get them in order or if it's like if I'm going outside and talking to somebody I want to like reassure myself that I'm going to be able to do it (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah anyway like yes of course it is like in a way it is fake but also it is real (laughs) yeah no I agree that um just because it's scripted doesn't mean it's any any more insincere I think a lot of people do even if you don't know you do it like we do have a lot of like social interactions that 
have been scripted for us by like media or whatever I think like there is always some like everyone has experience with knowing what you're going to say before you say it Mm. it doesn't make it fake Mm -hmm. yeah uh, yes, another, so we we mentioned the notable scene in which Casey kills Poe. Uh, that's a fun scene to think about. And they, they talked about this, uh, Anna and Jane, in the audio commentary where you're like, at one point, does Casey stop performing in that scene? Uh, because probably she is not actually possessed. Um, is the moment where she comes back up the stairs and sees what she has done. It's like, oh my God, what have I done? Is that still part of the performance? Is that real? When does it stop being a performance? Uh, mm-hmm. Because I do generally think that she is hurt by this, like that she, this is like an emotional self-harm thing that she does by destroying this thing that means something to her. But at one point, is she performing the emotions of being like upset and at what point is she actually upset uh mm-hmm. i mean i don't think there is a clear answer but if you do please feel free to jump in <laughs> i don't think there's a clear answer but i do always feel weird when i see videos of people being upset because even if it is genuine emotion the act of turning on the recording is still mm. a little bit strange to me Mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know what that means I don't like I'm not saying it's fake emotions just because you decided to record it but I don't know something about that feels strange this like that trend the internet trend of like crying on camera is weird to me but yeah I don't know me just saying it's weird doesn't actually mean it's bad or anything I just mm-hmm. think it's interesting I do also think like we're using like the idea of being fake a lot and it has like negative connotations, but I don't necessarily think something being fake or artificial is like necessarily negative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's another point to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, to, to get meta about our podcast, I was thinking about our last episode in which we talked about people Uh, like people in Hollywood being fake and having fake bodies and I was remembering how in previous episodes we talked about how people in Hollywood are too interested in sounding like real people and people should start talking like fake people and I was I just think it's interesting the ways in which we have both like called for people being more real and more fake Uh, I I think it's like I think the issue is like the false authenticity because mm. I think a lot of it is people portraying themselves as being authentic when that's not necessarily what everyone's asking for. Or maybe that is what people are asking for. Maybe that's what's most popular. But I think if you say you're being authentic and you're not, that's where the disconnect is. I think you can be as fake as you want, but don't like try and pretend that you're not being fake because I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I like when things are fake, like, obviously, intentionally, that's part of the point. And I like when things are fake in interesting ways rather than, like, in, like, a corporation copying the same thing over and over because it's profitable, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I saw somebody on Tumblr talking about actors in Hollywood having, like, professionalized bodies, which I think gets more to it than fake bodies. Those, like, I like fake bodies if it's fake in, like, a way that is 
interesting a way that goes against societal norms i don't like like professional bodies in which it's all like i don't like capitalistic um yeah sorry we're getting a bit off track here but i just thought that was interesting um and really what i really wanted to get to with this episode was when i was like 12 i went around telling everybody that i was psychic and a vampire and like was i performing was i like yes did i believe it to an extent yes (laughs) (laughs) to an extent you say to an extent (laughs) do i still believe it interesting That's fun. I feel like I never did that as a kid. I wish I did. I think it seems like you had fun. I'm happy for you. I mean, I did not. I was absolutely miserable and crying out for help. <laughs> yeah, but I was also miserable, but I wasn't a vampire. You yeah, I think you, like, should, you should You should. Yeah. be a miserable vampire. It's way better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If any real vampires are listening, hello, <laughs> my DMs are open. I still believe. I don't want to talk about how I still believe in vampires. I think we should move on. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes. So, what else can we talk about for this movie? Um, oh yeah, I did want to talk about this. Is uh, this movie? formally and its relationship to like found footage and desktop horror movies Mm. Uh, i assume you are familiar with some movies in these genres i guess so yes uh so casey in this movie not you talks about (laughs) the um paranormal activities movies which did you ever watch those i think i've watched like most of one but not intentionally Mm. I think I watched them when I was young, when they like came out and everybody was obsessed with them. Um, and I found them really boring. But listeners, if you think I should revisit them as an adult and if they are actually <laughs> worth checking out, let me know. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple. I think there's like four or five of them, like two or three of them are like like good movies mm-hmm. is what I've heard. So. Interesting. I remember being very bored, but I was also like 10. So I think a lot of it is like like a lot of it is tension. So mm. maybe that's why you weren't interested. Hmm, maybe. Uh yeah. Anyway, I also I really like desktop horror as a as a genre, as a subgenre. I feel like uh people don't have enough respect for it. <laughs> um I really liked the second Unfriended movie. I didn't like Unfriended, but I liked Unfriended Dark Web. I had a great time. Um, and I liked Searching, the John Cho movie, which is not really horror, I guess. Uh, no, and also, but I like that too. And also is inaccurate about Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> is it inaccurate? Would it you is. like to make corrections here? <laughs> they should have hired a Tumblr sensitivity viewer. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, I like that movie. Um yeah, but it's fun the way in which the, like this this movie, We're All Going to the World's Fair, is not a desktop horror, is not a found footage horror, like purely, but it kind of plays with those genres. Mm-hmm. Like we do yeah. see, we do see Casey in her old world. Like we do follow her around as an omniscient camera. We don't just see her on the computer. Um, and actually, I was thinking about this, and I think maybe this helps blur together the like performance versus not performance in the way it's used because I feel like you could do if you were like 
a filmmaker who is not interested in ambiguity, you could do like, oh, when she's on the computer, she's fake. And then we move to her being um, not on the computer. And this is the real Casey. Uh, I'm reminded of the movie Blonde, which just came out, which is a very boring <laughs> idea of like persona of like, oh, Norma Jean is real. Marilyn is fake, which is not how anything works in real life. Um, mm-hmm. I fucking hated Blonde. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, moving on. You didn't talk about it in the in the wrap up. I didn't up. talk about it in the wrap up. Um I got a free ticket. Uh, but then at the um. end I was like, I want my zero euros back. Emotional <laughs> damages. <laughs> it was so long. Anyway, uh moving on. Sorry, this is not about point. <laughs> anyway, in the way the way these genres are used in this movie to me kind of blurs it together. Uh, because we move like off the computer and back to the computer blah 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 and it's like it's not clear when one stops being when yeah yeah (laughs) do you want to talk about asmr okay so i have made fun of you a lot in the past for being into asmr and i've said it was weird and i said you were weird which I still do think you're weird. <laughs> but the ASMR video she was watching to fall asleep with the the person just like shushing you and like it's like you woke up from a nightmare and this person in your bed is like shushing you and telling you to go back to sleep. And something about her hand moving across the camera as she's like pretending to pet you was very like I could feel it and I don't understand how that happened it was very intense for me and also I did almost fall asleep at that part of the movie because it was like three in the morning you should so, follow her she's a real youtuber she's really yeah I saw her it. name in the credits so, yeah. but I don't want to be into ASMR I'm still not <laughs> over how much I made fun of you about it wow <laughs> but I'm just saying I do get I do it's never affected me before, but I did feel the effects of that video. I thought that was cool. So ASMR, I was thinking about the ways in which ASMR started out as this like weird corner of the internet where everybody would judge you and call you weird <laughs> for watching ASMR videos. And I was thinking about what that means for this movie, because Casey, as we will talk about in a minute, is also into like creepypastas and like online horror games which is also seen as like this weird part of the internet but has become more mainstream and so has ASMR so that's interesting (laughs) or not what do you think um I guess it's interesting I don't know I think it makes sense for her to be into niche internet stuff as Mm -hmm. a as an isolated young person that makes sense Mm-hmm. It does to me in this movie the ASMR, ASMR. Even though now it has basically become mainstream, even though I still get bullied, uh, <laughs> it does feel like this niche, like secret club. The when, when Casey is watching it in this movie, to me, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. fun. Uh, I don't like celebrities doing ASMR. This new thing, they're they're all bad at it. <laughs> okay. I didn't know there was discourse in the ASMR community, but that makes sense. Celebrities <laughs> doing something genuinely generally does ruin it. And they're always like, oh, what am I doing? This is so weird. Ha ha ha. I'm tapping this thing. It's like, shut up. 
So our listeners, should I start an ASMR channel? No, because my voice is very annoying, but... <laughs> I think you should. Just don't talk. <laughs> I'll do a no-talking ASMR channel. I do like those. Anyway, okay, moving on from ASMR, do we want to talk about creepy bestseds and online urban legends? Well, I know nothing about creepypastas and online urban legends, so unless you have something you'd like to say. Well, I also was hesitant to talk about this because I feel like it's not my subculture. Uh, (laughs) I would be intruding into other people's space and they will yell at me. Um, However, it's like a big part of the movie, so I feel like we do need to talk about it. So my experience of creepypastas was mostly secondhand, um i i think i never like i was never on like r and o sleep on reddit or whatever but i would see a lot of like stuff on tumblr which i've talked about a lot but that's inevitable in this episode i'm sorry (laughs) that was my childhood uh not childhood adolescence adolescence anyway um anyway people would post things on tumblr you're also still on tumblr i do want to i am still on tumblr but tumblr is cool now so it's okay (laughs) I guess I can't make fun of you because I also am still on Tumblr. But um, whatever. Yes. Don't come back. It's not cool. We don't want you it's to. It's actually not cool and no cool people are there. And it's actually still dead. So don't come yeah, back. Yeah, it's dead. There's no one there. There's no content. Anyway. Um, yes. So back in the day, people would like post things from Reddit and like different creepyfasta stuff on Tumblr. And I would get it there. So I got it all secondhand. And my main reason for that and I do think I was right to do so, was that if you go on, like, R No Sleep or whatever and, like, stuff on Reddit, most of it is very, very bad. And you have to, like, sift through it to find the good stuff. And I don't want to do that. So I liked when people would handpick it for me and show me the good stuff. Fair. Yeah. Um, yes. I did, like, I did some research for this episode. I read a paper about Slenderman. Did uh, it was, I did. Oh, I guess um, I do. I know of creepy pastas, and I know of Slenderman, but I, I've never, I've never even seen it until I've never been like, I've never been face to face with it. Well, something I learned from this paper. So the paper I read was by Shira Chess. It's called "Open Sourcing Horror: The Slenderman, Marble Hornets, and the Genre Negotiations." Uh I learned that apparently the Something Awful forum where Slenderman as like a photoshopped image began was a paid forum. So like, no wonder I wasn't on there. I'm not going to pay to go on the internet. (laughs) Why would you? Yeah, but anyway, yes, I read that. And I, the thing about Slenderman is I was never into him because I don't find him scary. Uh, But I understand that a lot of people really like him. (laughs) Don't people see? Isn't it? Isn't he just like a white guy in a suit? Don't we see that every day? Okay, <laughs> that's the horror. That's the real horror. No, but actually, that's interesting because this this paper talks about the ways in which like Sanderman is at least initially was whatever you want him to be. Like the whole point of him was that he was ambiguous, and it, each person could like. There's a comparison to. Um, to vampires in the ways that so vampires nowadays after many years of having vampire folklore we can play around with we can say like oh vampires can turn into bats no they can't they can like do this they have that they have reflections they don't have reflections uh i will say i don't think energy slash psychic vampires are real vampires i will continue to gate i agree with you 
<laughs> unless you drink blood, you're not a vampire. 100%. Absolutely. Anyway, anyway <laughs> so using this as a comparison, so Slenderman, sim- Slenderman similarly was like, was he just a tall white guy in a suit? Did he have tentacles? Did he not have tentacles? Did he like, was he associated with children? Was he not associated with children? Was he like, you know, was mm-hmm. he a ghost? Was he an omen? Like, the whole point is that he's ambiguous. You can do different things with him. You can use him in your story however way you want. Um, so is he just a white guy in a suit? Well, that's kind of what remains of him, I think. Um, uh-huh. But or- originally, I think he was more interesting. It's interesting, actually, because uh, this person like talks specifically and says, like, oh, Slenderman is uh, always Caucas- Caucasian, uh, which, I mean, I didn't realize Slenderman had a race. I never thought of him as being human enough to have a race, but I guess that's true. Yeah, well, I, the most common or the image I have of him in my head is like a, a blank faced, like ghoul type thing, not really a race racialized figure i guess yeah (laughs) but apparently this is controversial okay interesting um yes anyway so slenderman slenderman is a an example of a creepypasta who like i think has kind of been made mainstream has kind of like gone through different meanings has perhaps lost any meaning he might have had i never watched that sunderman movie which i i understand is like the pinnacle of him being mainstream and therefore dead um yes. i did consider watching it as research let me know <laughs> listeners if you think i should i do love watching bad movies because i'm a masochist so maybe i will um and my understanding is that any like so uh, to go back to the paper, it talks about open sourcing horror and the way like this is something that's negotiated by the public. Um, and it's like it's an urban legend is what it is, but it's online. So we can see the process of it becoming an urban legend and its evolution. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not one person who created it and who like sets the canon of what it is. Uh, but it's something that's negotiated by the public and someone might be like oh no this is wrong this is not what Sunderman is to me and this other person might be like no this is what he is to me blah 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 Um, but in the end it's like cemented into like these are the essential things of what makes Sunderman that's what everybody recognizes him by Um, my like just from knowing that it's clear to me that any like studio film about a creepypasta is going to be doomed because you can't like take an urban legend and try to like cement it into like a copyrighted like this is the one true thing that we are making i don't mm-hmm. think like any corporation can make that kind of art um but again i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i was never involved with Slenderman. yes sorry what does this have to do when we're all going to the world's fair <laughs> Urban legends, internet. Urban legends. Internet things. So I was thinking about, to me, what is the difference between a traditional urban legend and creepypastas and online urban legends? What, what do you think? Is there a difference? Um, I don't think there's a real difference now, but I think urban legends are, I guess, 
I was going to say more accessible, but I don't think that's true. It's just like more widespread. They've been around for longer. You're more likely to hear about them just going about your life and creepypastas seem harder to get into. Hmm. For me, at least, because I've never gotten into them. So I have two like bullet points, two differences that are that I think exist. One is that because of like the nature of the internet and stuff, uh, you want if you want your version of a creepypasta to stand out, and you need to like have some level of like artistic ability or something. Like an urban mm-hmm. legend, you just tell your friends around a fire or whatever uh Mm -hmm. you obviously like need to have some sort of talent for storytelling if you want your friends to listen to you but like (laughs) it's not the same you don't have to stand out amongst a crowd and on a forum uh it's an standard specifically is interesting to me because it's like or it originates from photoshopped images you need to like know how to be good at photoshop so as to make an interesting photograph uh so there's like it's not just anybody who can participate in that way. Like you need to be able to contribute something. You need to have some kind of ability. Uh, so that's one thing. Although, as I mentioned, a lot of people do try and are bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's one thing. Another thing that's interesting to me is creepypastas to me always feel more fake. And this goes back to like the, one of the things we were talking about, but we're all going to the world's fair is I feel like there's more of a sense that like, Oh, this is something I am creating for this online game. I know it's not real. Mm-hmm. And there is like, it might become real people who like create these images, tell these stories might end up scaring themselves. Um, some kids might hear about this like third hand and be like, no, Slenderman is real. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, etc. It might become real, but it's still, <clears throat> it feels less real less organic in a way to me whereas an urban legend you're like no this really happened i heard about it from my cousin uh and you do distort it you do create a new version but you're kind of like not even aware that you're doing that sometimes yeah i think the intentional creation that goes into creepypastas kind of has to have this undercurrent of like we're all we all know what we're doing here we're all kind of in on the joke Whereas Mm -hmm. because urban legends have been around for so long, the people who are in on the joke, that was like such a long time ago. Like at this point, if you're hearing about it, it's because someone does think it's real and they're telling you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's try to tie this back to we're all going to the world's (laughs) fair. Sure. Uh, actually, in a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, you can see a trailer. Well, you don't actually see the trailer. You see JLB watching a trailer for a we're all going for a World's Fair like movie that they're making, which I think is like meant to evoke the Slenderman like mainstream movie thing. Um, uh, so that's interesting. In a way, there's like some commentary in there, but this got deleted, so I guess it wasn't that important in the end to the like individual story we're telling. Um, but yes, also. Yeah, it's interesting to me the way, yeah, to, to tie this into like what we were talking about, performance, real, not real, the way there's no like clear boundary between the two. And it's interesting like the way, so like when when Casey goes into JLB's channel the first time, he's all like, this is an in-game channel for serious players only. Do not interact unless you're like ready to take this seriously. Uh, but then she's kind of like too much for him to handle. Mm-hmm. He like, uh there's different ways you can see her like obviously she is a vulnerable young person but also there is a reading of this movie where she's like 
like the uh, she's like in charge of the narrative and she's like more powerful than him and he uh, and he lets her down by like wanting to go out of game and then she plays like she's the ultimate power play of like just disappearing and taking control and becoming ghost um but yeah it's it's interesting how like it's all fake until it's not and like the ways that makes him uncomfortable and like do, when do you know that other people are faking or not when do you know that you are faking or not mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'm making any sense would you like to try to find some coherence in this <laughs> i think you are making sense but can i tie it to one single point i don't think so okay okay, <laughs> okay. uh yeah so that's fun cool, cool. moving on <laughs> Uh, does anyone remember Sixpence on Tumblr? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the algorithm. The algorithm? The algorithm. Mm. What about it? The algorithm is in this movie. It's like a force. It's like a ghost, I think. Is the it? ghost haunting the internet. <laughs> in this movie. Uh, we like... Casey's watching a video and then we see the loading symbol. It's kind of like creepy. It's like, what will come next? Uh, mm. The algorithm it is what introduces Casey to JLB. The algorithm is what drives the story forward. The algorithm is a very scary thing to me. <laughs> Why does it scare you? Uh, because you're like you are watching youtube you for some reason decide you want to like press that thing that plays another video what's that called autoplay autoplay uh and it keeps going and you don't know what's gonna come next it could be anything Mm. uh there's been so many stories about like the algorithm being evil and radicalizing people turning your children into nazis whatever (laughs) uh and i do think that's perhaps not like exactly what's happening i don't think you're going to like turn into a nazi unless you already have some nazi tendencies yes Uh, (laughs) however yeah the algorithm scary it is scary i don't have anything to say about the algorithm i think it's funny i think people genuinely like it though algorithms they like having their timelines, their dashboards curated for them in some way, which I think is interesting. I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you should have to earn seeing what you want to see on the internet. I feel like there should be a little bit of work that goes into your internet experience. And I don't think you should just like sit back and let the algorithm or some corporation or some app decide what you see. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, take control of your internet experience. (laughs) No, I just, I thought it was interesting to see, like, as I mentioned, I think the internet used to be more haunted than it is. uh, And I think back in the day, it was haunted by, like, real ghosts. And nowadays, it is just haunted by this one ghost called (laughs) the algorithm. (laughs) Uh Yeah, Uh, that's all I have to say, I think. Let's talk more about internet ghosts. Sure. Do you do you know any? <laughs> I don't know any. Mm. Do you know any? I do. I'm thinking of like people that I was mutuals with on Tumblr who like disappeared off the face of the earth. Are they living? Are they dead? I don't know. 
their post is still there. And is that not in a way a ghost? I guess that is a ghost. Yeah. Like Casey at this end of the, at the end of this movie, uh, when you see her face like flashing in the screen, she becomes this like otherworldly thing. I think she becomes a ghost. Mm. She might not actually be dead. I hope she's not, but she's still a ghost on the internet. Fascinating. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Ghosts on the internet, pretty cool stuff. <laughs> I just want to say, this is boring for people who don't care about technology, but <laughs> I don't know how long we're going to be able to, like, have the internet the way it is, because people don't get this. The internet is a physical thing. When, <laughs> like, even though people stop posting on their accounts or whatever, that information has to be stored somewhere in the real world. And how many, like, how long are we going to be able to go where ghosts are going to be able to exist on the internet? Because like at some point it's like where we have no space left. We're going to have to start deleting people. I don't know when that's Scary. going to happen, but something to think about. <laughs> not to be, not to be annoying, but this is why you should go and buy Blu-rays and DVDs. Shut up about Blu-rays. No, it's not. <laughs> You shouldn't ever buy a Blu-ray. There was there was never any reason to do so, and you definitely shouldn't now. All of your favorite movies and series are going to disappear off the internet, and you will not be able to watch them unless you own them physically. <laughs> anyway, yes. I'm like, a, I'm like a doomsday preparation person, but I just have physical media. <laughs> it's like a doomsday prepper, but you're you're like you're canning like sweets or something it's like not nutritious food like <laughs> this isn't useful and it's not going to be well listen when the apocalypse happens and there's no internet and people are, like fighting like a mad max situation and i like have access to food and water because i let people come over and watch movies in my house <laughs> <laughs> you will see. okay i guess then i'll see mm-hmm Anyway, okay, uh, yes, so let's talk about uh, adult-child interactions, talking to strangers, grooming. Mm. Well, that's like, I think that's the main horror in this movie, actually. Do you? Yes. Interesting. Uh, I mean, the first time I watched this movie, I obviously I didn't know until the end if the World's Fair was a game or if it was a real thing. Because I'm watching a movie, like, it could be a real thing in the movie. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe the first time I watched it, that's what the horror was. I'm like, is Casey going to be sucked into the computer? Is she going to turn into this otherworldly thing? Um, But the second time, I know it's fake. And there's this, like, older guy talking to her. And I don't know what his intentions are. I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I do because I've seen the movie. But <laughs> I don't know. That 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 did make me uneasy. That did make me scared. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I think it's scary because we never hear like full answers. Casey at the end calls him a, p- a pedophile. I don't think it's that clear that he is. But even if he's not... Like it's we weird. don't like, yeah. It's weird. Like, what do you want from this child? We don't really know what mm-hmm. he's hoping to get out of this interaction. Yeah, especially since it is a game. So, why did you pick this person to reach out to? Mm-hmm. Strange. And he does like, 
it's it's made very clear that she like she only has like 30 views on her videos or less Mm -hmm. like there's not she's not like she's not being pushed onto him like this child that everybody is watching um he like finds her he kind of seeks her out and he like really fixates on her i mean that part where he's watching the eight hour video of her sleeping yeah like what are you doing yeah yeah, and going back to the story at the end where we see his like distorted image of Casey, I think again, like even if it's not sexual, even if he's not looking for that, the way in which he projects all these things onto this child creates this distorted image of her that he fixates on. <laughs> it's still gonna be creepy even if it's not sexual. Yeah. And I don't have I don't remember exactly what he says, so I don't have actual examples of this, but I just think the way he portrays her in that story is very, like, just the way he talks about her as a person is very weird. I don't like it. I don't know. And he's so, like, Casey calls him out on this when she's doing, like, the tarot reading and stuff. He's so, like, I know more than you. I will take care of you. I will take charge of your narrative. Like, mm-hmm. at the last at the last Skype call, when Casey's talking about the strange loop theory, and he's like, no, that's not what's happening to you. This is what's happening to you. Like, I understand to an extent that that's because he thinks she might kill herself, and he's, like, trying to convince her not to. However, it also reads as, like let me tell you what's happening to you and where your story is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but the other, I guess the, not the flip side, alongside this, we also have this paranoia that exists, I think, um, about talking to anyone older to uh, to the extent that it has sometimes become ridiculous where like 17 year olds are like, if you're 18, do not talk to me. (laughs) Um, and this fixation on like numbers in a way that does make sense as an adult where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm in my 20s. Don't talk to me if you're in your 30s. There's an age gap. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I guess like both of those things exist alongside each other. And I don't think there's a clear answer because there is a danger. But there's also like, I don't think the paranoia necessarily helps yeah. keep people safe. Not yeah. every person has the choice to never interact with a minor. Unfortunately, my siblings, my sibling is still <laughs> underage, and I do have to talk. How to her dare you talk? To I your know sibling. it's gross, but what can you do? She lives in my uh, house. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I don't, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with adults talking to children, or like even like being friends with children in a yeah. way. It can, you can never be friends with a child in the same way you are with an adult, but I think you can be friends with them in a way. Uh, it's not necessarily yeah. creepy. In this movie, it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is the first thing I heard about this movie. So I've decided to keep it until last. And when I first heard about this movie, it was advertised to me as a movie about gender dysphoria. Is that something you got from your viewing of it? No. Hmm. Interesting. Why was it advertised to you in that way? Well, number one, because the director, Jane Schoenbrunn, is trans. Uh, And, you know, I do think it's fun to read um, things as gay or trans uh, through, like, their authorship, even if it's not explicitly so. Um, 
And yeah, I actually, I really like subtext. And this has become controversial in the modern world in which people love accusing people of queer bathing or whatever. But I think subtext <laughs> is fun. I think not everything has to be explicit. Uh, I think metaphors are fun. Um, and I very often hate movies that are about transness explicitly. Very often they are bad. So <laughs> I am all about a new wave of movies that are about transness metaphorically or not explicitly. Uh, mm. Anyway, this is this is not like something that Schoenbrunn is is like unaware of. It's not entirely intentional, but it's also not unintentional. So I will I will read you what people have said about it. So this is from Willow McClay on Letterboxd, where she talks about uh, the language of World's Fair is built upon the backbone of body horror, which is the closest thing we have to a cinematic language of gender dysphoria. And as she mentions in Schoenbrunn's uh, notes for the Sundance Film Festival, which I have not read because I don't think they're available if you didn't go. Anyway, in the notes, uh, they mention that they use the language of cinema to articulate the heart-described feeling of dysphoria. Um, then later on, in an interview I read with Jane Schoenbrunn, uh, they talked about they talked about the internet as like a place that is a place that is available to, to a teenager, a, to like a sad dysphoric teenager that is like tempting to this teenager because it is like, obviously we cannot actually escape our bodies. We are bodies, but it, it gives you the illusion perhaps of escaping your body as a place where you exist as only a mind in mm -hmm. as much as that is possible. Um, yeah, and many people have drawn parallels between like the, the feelings Casey describes in this movie of like dissociation of like, I feel like, Nothing is real. My body isn't real. Um, and dysphoria. Yes. Um, trans people love to go on the internet and watch horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it was saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, related to the, the symptoms that Casey describes, it's interesting that she, in her like first... In her second video for YouTube, she like walks into the snow. She's wearing a coat, and then she takes it off to record. And she's like, "I don't feel any cold." Uh, which you want, if you wanted to, you could read it as a performance. If you wanted to, you could read it as both a performance and not. Uh, I think like even if she is faking, she is. It is still a real thing that she's feeling this uh, this dissociative feeling. I mean, she's not coming out of it she's not coming at it from nowhere she's obviously mm -hmm. grounded it in something uh a lot of the people as mentioned a lot of the people who participate in the world's fair challenge exhibit more dramatic signs more outward signs like turning into an evil clown or a vampire and, sh and she chooses instead to focus on this internal feeling which is something that a lot of us have felt even without participating in weird internet challenges so yeah. like why does she do that is it because this is something she's already feeling hmm. yeah fascinating yes anyway my, my ultimate point is just that I think we should make more trans movies that aren't explicitly trans. I think it's fun. <laughs> we could also get better at making trans movies that are explicitly trans. I, mean, I feel like could, it's possible. But... 
but I also I like body horror and being sucked into the internet. <laughs> more authentic to me. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, so that's that's all I guess. Cool. Oh yes, I was gonna talk about COVID. Do you want to talk about COVID? <laughs> Why? <laughs> So, COVID is apparently something that modern movies have to address, but I wish they didn't. Uh, but anyway, this movie <laughs> was recorded in the first lockdown. Do you think that informs it at all? Um, I'm sure it does, because there's only two people in the entire movie. But I think it it adds to it. It adds to the isolated feeling. I think it works. I think it um yeah i think it i think it adds to the story mm, the thing about covid and the lockdowns was that in a way i feel like people were appropriating my experience <laughs> because <laughs> you I... didn't invent living by like enclosing yourself near you we were all doing that before lockdown so no i'm no, see, the people were like, oh, I was, like, in my house, I didn't talk to anybody, I was just on the internet, like, that's my life, <laughs> you can't steal it from me. Cultural Stop appropriation. It. Yeah, appropriating my agoraphobia, and <laughs> internet ad addiction. Anyway, um, yeah, so I guess my final point is, if you want, you can make it about COVID, uh, but also like for some of us this has always been reality. this is just real life <laughs> wow yes so that's all i think do you have any final thoughts let's wrap up the episode i do just want to mention that maybe my favorite scene of the movie is when that guy pulled the arcade tickets out of his hand oh, i don't know why yeah i don't have anything interesting to say about it i just loved it something about it was so cool I it think, was very cool. I, I think love... you should have a storage pocket in your arm for arcade <laughs> tickets. <laughs> and, yeah, I love body horror that's focused on like things growing out of your body because that's like mm -hmm. what a lot of my recurring nightmares are about. Mm, fascinating. Yeah, so that was fun. Cool. Yeah, so that was a good movie. Uh, I hope, Jane, you did not listen to this whole episode. <laughs> and if you did, we're so sorry. And also, we warned you, so that's kind of your fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if other people listened to the podcast and liked it, what could they do? <laughs> well, they could give us money on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Casey. And for just five euros a month, you can hear all of my ASMR recommendations <laughs> in two weeks or so. And you can hear me making fun of him for liking ASMR. Um, so if they would like to see show notes and sometimes transcripts, how would they do so? They can find them on our website, samandcaseysmovieclub.wordpress.com. Mm -hmm. And if they'd want to recommend anything for us to watch they can do that by sending us an email, simoncaseysmovieclub at gmail.com or by tweeting at us at simoncaseypod. After this episode, I feel like we should have a Tumblr, but we don't. <laughs> we don't need one. Um, where are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter at Cosmic Jellies. And I am on Twitter at CaseyNosa. Um you can suggest things to us, but if you also just generally want to yell at us, uh, you could do that using those channels as well. And mm -hmm. if they would like to leave us a review, how do they do that? 
they can do that on iTunes, on Spotify, I believe on Google Podcasts, and that way you can yell at us publicly. Yes. Perfect. So, thanks so much for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next time. Happy Halloween! (laughs) Happy Halloween! Ooh, spooky! (laughs) Bye! (laughs)